Okay, we are in Sefer Daniel, Perik Vav, Pasuk Aleph, Vidar Yavesh, Mada, Kibel, Machusa. So we saw in the last year, Perik Hey, Balshetzar meets his doom. He is assassinated shortly the same night after Daniel interprets the handwriting on the wall. Malchus Bavel is over in a flash, and now the regime will be passed to the Paras Madai, the Persians and the Medes, and the first king will be Daryavish, who is a Mede. Later, the Medes split from the Persians, and it is the Persian dynasty. So, Daryavish Madai, Kibel, Mahuse, Bavar, Shnin, Shkin, Betartin. So Daryavish the Mede ascends to the throne. He is 62 years old. So, first question uh, is to establish that this is not Daryavish, who is Ahasuerus' son, according to the Mephoshim, and who later is the one that finally gets B'nai Israel on track to repair or to build the Bayashani. We saw that there was a delay because of troublemakers. It is Daryavesh. Two, um, he ascends at the age of 62, which is a uh, pretty advanced age for a king. And the question is, despite that, why mention it? Why call attention to the 62? And Rashi provides us with a fascinating answer. Lama mina shnosa. Why does it give us his age? Lomarloch biyom shenichnas nupanetzar lehecha beis yahoyachin. The same day that Nebuchadnezzar goes in, Yahoyachin is now exiled. On that very day, he is born. Nola Dayavesh. That at that second, and to back up the math, <clears throat> he shows that it was the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar. We know 70 years have passed since the ascension of Nebuchadnezzar. Subtract eight from 70, and you have 62. So, in any event, he ascends the throne he's to rule for one year. So Daryoves finds that it's a very convenient administrative tool to appoint 120 Lakshaparno, which we would interpret as satraps. They were political governors of a province. There were 120 provinces in Daryoves's empire, and so to facilitate administrative ease, he appointed local governors, each of the 120. On top of them, Dila having become he uh, appointed three what we would call viziers, the Olaminhon Sorokin. Those were three that were positioned with an organization chart above the 120 satraps. Their job was to keep the king informed and the nation informed of what the king wished to convey. They were a very convenient uh, bridge uh, of administration. 
One of those three was Doniel. Was chose Doniel Chadmin home. Tilahon Achshapanya Elin Yahavin Lahon Tama Umalka Lo Yehevi Nosei. Yes. How old would Doniel be at this point? Homer. I have to look that up. He has to be relatively old, older than yeah, 62. Yeah, he's still got a long way to go. Right. Yeah, I'll get that for you. Believe that there. In any event, this was all to make Logi Yenuzak, so problems wouldn't come to the king. He had an easy flow administration-wise. What was going on in the provinces, what he wanted to communicate to the provinces. And Daniel once again distinguishes himself with his brilliance. And so Daryavesh elevates him to be the head of that group, the Achshapanya and the Sarchaya. Because he sensed there was a special spirit of the Kaddish Baruchu, Umalka Asit Lachimose Al and in fact, he sought to elevate Joniel to the height of the kingdom, Shani Lamalchus. And of course, we have seen this isn't the first time. And if history indicates. When we appoint a Jewish guy in exile, Shani Lamalchus, it never ends well. Be it Yosef, uh, be it Daniel, be it um, uh, Mordechai, be it the Abarbanel. It just never ends well. In any event, the king sought to make him second in command. And so, this galvanizes the nobles and the Srichim and the Ashpadana. They come now in a group, all of them, to the king Daniel. But before they do that, they search for any possible corruption that he's done in his duties for the king. Corruption, graft, bribery. They can't find a thing. Unfortunately, say they even go into his personal life to try and find. He covered me, Haman. He's a man of total faith. They cannot find an iota of corruption or graft or inefficiency. Adayin gavrei ilich omrin dilo nishkachat v'doniel dinor kol eila lochein nishkachna aluhei v'dos elokei. And so they hit on a novel idea, these noblemen. If they can get a situation where Doniel's religion, his observance to the Kaddish Baruch Hu, is in conflict or can be termed insubordinate to the king, they've got him. Now what they have to do is engineer the situation. So what they do, they approach the king, all of them, as we're going to see, not only the 120 satraps and the two or the three viziers, but the, the uh, governors, the province leaders, they all approach the king as if they're a unanimous body. They open with the greeting, may Dayavish rule forever. And with them comes everybody. 
as we said. There is the nobles, the viziers, the um, advocates, the governors. Everyone comes in a mass group to convey to the king everybody agrees with what we're going to now um, offer you, and this is for you. <clears throat> this is going to strengthen your mahus. Um So they come before the king. We said all the offices. They propose the following scheme. This is purely to strengthen your hold, your kingdom. We need a proclamation where for 30 days, anyone who is beseeching or praying to his God, any God, must first process it through you. Strange request. In other words, you come to you if you've got a bakasha from your God, a tzvila, um, or its own elev. It first must go through the king, this is for 30 days, and if they fail to do that, Yisrame Legov or Yosa, they are thrown in to the pit of the lions, the lion pit. What is this about? This is nothing less than a Gezera against Trila to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. They are going to get Daniel into a position where he has to disobey this, and therefore they've set it up that the guy has to be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, king, make the proclamation, put your signature on it, and once you've inscribed it, you know there is a rule of Persia and Medea. Once there is a kingly proclamation, it can't be rescinded. We know this from Megillah's Esther. Remember when Achashverosh makes the proclamation, they can't break it, even when he finds out all the truth about so, Haman. They really, have to go around it. Yes. So here you have Daryavash, who thinks very highly of Daniel, and he doesn't wonder, why is Daniel not here? That's the, the unfortunate answer that, that the purpose of bringing them all was to just conceal the fact that Daniel's not here. In other words, they don't notice Daniel's not there, theoretically. And it's all of them speaking in one voice, so the king listens. He doesn't even think at this moment that this is directed in any way against Daniel. So he assumes that maybe Daniel did make the meeting, or he assumes Daniel's at the meeting. In any case, Let's do this fast and let's get this done. And so he does it. He signs the thing, proclaims it as law, and uh, inscribes it. Now, Daniel. Daniel hears about it, he may have known it before, that they have made this proclamation, uh, he goes to his house. He goes to the upper attic, doesn't bother with the lower attic, goes to the upper attic that faces Yerushalayim. 
and there is where he davens three times a day. He blesses the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He thanks him for everything. He prays as he has done every day previously. From this, by the way, uh, we learn the Gemara tells us in Brachos Lamid Beis, it says, uh, You must pray in a house with windows. They take it from this Pasuk. The windows give you an exposure. It gives you a view. And here it gives you a view of Yerushalayim. So he davens there. You assume up till now he went to the Beisak Neset to daven. Now he goes here. And interestingly, he goes where they can see him. Everyone can see him falling on his knees. And he's doomed from that moment on. They see, they observe what Daniel is doing. That he is bowing on his knees before the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He has <coughs> violated the process of coming to Daryavesh first with his Trilo. Then, they come before the king. And they say, King, hello, did you not write a proclamation that says every man who comes to Yavoyim and call Ela and prays for his own needs, for 30 days we were described, you will take the person that failed to go through you and he will be cast into the pit of the lions. Yes, you've spoken the truth. Uh, and he answers, and according to the law, Persia and Medea, it cannot be rescinded. So now what they do is very clever. They're not sure he has signed the proclamation. They want to find it. He gives it away. Yes, I signed that proclamation, and the rule is ABC. So they know they've got him now. And now they tell the king as follows, and notice you talk about hidden anti-Semitism. Everyone knows Doniel. He is like practically second in the Malchus for a great number of years. So they say, You remember, he's one of those exiles, the Yehud from Judea. Um, well, in any event, this Jew did not listen to you from Judea. He doesn't listen to you. He didn't obey the proclamation to Shamta that he promulgated. You said 30 days. And he did it without seeking you out. What about the other Jews? other than Daniel, all the Jews. That prayed? Yeah. We don't know who they were, we don't know that, and it doesn't matter. This whole did? thing is designed who to get... they did? What? We don't know if they did. We don't know if they did. No, you're saying that the whole Jewish well, community they, they would be subject the process. to the They Steve, they could have gone through the process. They could have, yeah, submitted the prayer first to uh, the king. In other words, and the king gives them permission. Or he, in other words, all they're doing is the king is the intermediary. So, yeah, there's no proof they didn't. 
There's no proof they did. But in any case, the king is distraught when he hears this. He truly loves Daniel. He thinks, how can he save him? What's happened here? He thinks how he can save him. Rashi points out that what he did was argue with them. One, this was never the intent of this promulgation. Two, that it's a lie. You're making up a lie. He tries everything. And when does he give up? The Ad Malay Shimsha. Gives up at sunset. Why sunset? It's Mincha. He's done it again. So that now the king just delivered. He mishtader lahat And he just gives up and just throws up his hands. Well, but, why is he so subservient to these servants? I mean, he's, he's the king. Yeah. Couldn't he just, you know, I'm not doing We're issue a new proclamation. He, he was duped. He was duped into thinking, this is going to make you the centerpiece of everybody. It's going to bond the people together. They've got to come to you for just a simple personal request. You approve it. You stamp it. It sounds good. New king, you know, old man. <laughs> and, um, it was all a, a pantomime. It was a charade to get Daniel. How would that sound good? I mean, that's... Well, it's he expect his day approving requests? It's interesting. As a thousand. What if it were Nebuchadnezzar who thinks he's sole God? Daryavesh doesn't think that. He's just like sort of a processor of Trilos. It is nothing less, as we say, a Gezera against Trilo. In any event, they then come to the king of Amrinla Malka, Dam Alka, Didosla More Uparas, Dikol Eser Ukoyim Di Malka, Ikoyen La Bahashanoya. You know, King, that once this is done, uh, you yourself have said it, it cannot be rescinded. Badain Malka Omar Bahisti Daniel Rumamala Guba Diaryasa, they hurry because they want to get this done. They hurry and throw Daniel into the pit of lions. He says to Daniel, When he hears this and he knows he's going to do this, he says, May the God that you constantly pray for, um, may he answer your prayers. From this we get a wonderful principle in the Gemara that says, in effect, Al-Tiyah, don't take a bracha of anyone, a plain person, a non-Jew, that gives you a bracha, don't dismiss it. It's a very important principle, and it's taken directly from here. So he blesses him. Then, there was a stone. They roll it to the wall of the pit. And so what they do is the king affixes his signet to it. The king affixes his signet ring to seal it because the nobles are worried he's going to come back, take the stone off the thing and save Daniel. Now he makes the nobles put their signet on it because he knows these guys will come roll the stone and see if Daniel isn't dead, they're going to make sure he's dead. So they both mistrust each other, put their seals on Daniel's thing. And so now the king goes back to his palace, distraught, depressed, 
What does he do with Daniel in the lion's den? Before, just one layer before we get to that, and we'll get to it next year. Question is raised, is Daniel setting himself up for martyrdom here unnecessarily? Does he have to do what he had to do? There is a long mildness which we're going to take up first thing next session. But the question, everyone's not so sure that Daniel had to do that. But then we've got Daniel in the pit surrounded by lions of the sealed rock. We've got the king back mourning in his bedroom. What is going to happen to Daniel and those lions? 8.45 a.m. Monday. Make sure you're there. I'd come.